Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Jonathan DeBurka Butler joins us once again for to bring us some stories from other parts of the world. Good afternoon, Jonathan. Sean, how are you getting on? Uh, first story is be very careful if you're a tourist visiting Algeria. What happened there? Yeah, so this, um, the shooting took place in Algeria, but these tourists were actually in Morocco. So they were staying in the resort town in the north of the country called Sedia. And Sedia is right on the border with Algeria. Um, it's a very built up area, beautiful beaches and, and the like. But obviously, because the land border is there, there's obviously a sea border there as well. And four of them, two brothers, their cousin and a friend, went out on these jet skis. And it was late in the evening. They got disorientated somehow and they Mm. managed to find themselves in Algerian waters. Now, the Algerian Coast Guard is particularly jittery at the moment because they say there's an awful lot of illegal activity going on in the seas around there. And you'd have to believe them in a sense, like it is a very busy part of the world with plenty of illegal activity going on. Um, but the result of these four men going into these uh, into these waters was that they were shot. They were shot at, uh, and two of them have subsequently died. Now the body of one was washed up on the beach in Morocco, and his body therefore was 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 taken and has been buried. Another body uh, washed up in Algeria, and that still hasn't been given back. Uh, and then one of the four was arrested and apparently appeared on trial on Wednesday in Algeria and he's been sentenced to 18 months in prison. We're not exactly sure why. And one of the four men managed to escape and it's from him that we're getting most of the details about what actually happened. So it seems that uh, from his point of view, as I said, they got lost. They saw the Algerian Coast Guard coming their way. They waved at them to to say, "Okay, we're friendly, we just got lost. But the Algerians were having none of it and they opened fire on these four men. Um, For their part, the Algerians are saying, and it did take them a few days, this happened last week, and Mm. over the weekend the Algerians issued a statement saying they issued, or they they shot a few warning shots at these people, told them, you know, not to move. They started moving and that's why they were, they were, they were shot, you know, they they were aiming to kill them effectively. Um, But it's not great because, as you probably know, the relationship between Algeria and Morocco is not very good at all. I mean, they don't have diplomatic relations. Mm. They haven't had uh, diplomatic relations or embassies with each other since 2021. The border's been closed since 1994. And of course, there's that ongoing situation in Western Sahara, which they've been fighting over since the 1960s, really. Um, so it, it's it's not good for the relationship in 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 a broader sense. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and and, and these four men were th- were they Moroccans who happened to be on the holidays in a different part of Morocco? Yeah, this yeah. is this is another aspect of it. So they're Moroccans, or at least they're from a M- Moroccan background. Two of them are actually French citizens, um, ah. so that's added another dimension to it yeah. because the French are now coming getting into the mix as well, and and their families are looking into legal action against the government of Algeria. And of course, the relationship between Algeria and France is not great either, either to be honest yes, with you. So, <laughs> so it's, it's, back it's, a long way. Yeah, so yeah. it's becoming a bit of a, a, an issue, shall we say, a diplomatic issue in the region. Right, okay. Speaking of uh, France, uh, uh, first electric picnic and now an entire country, uh, uh, yeah. single-use vapes. Yes, they're, they're looking to ban single-use vapes. And this seems to be something of a campaign that um, the Prime Minister, Elizabeth Borne, who's a, a member of... Macron's is a Renaissance party, he calls it now. It used to be on March, but I think they changed mm. it last year to the Renaissance party. Um, but anyway, Elizabeth Bourne, she's got behind this campaign. She's basically saying that uh, they're going to present a new national plan to fight against smoking within particular the prohib- prohibition of disposable electronic cigarettes, which they call poofs 
in France, <laughs> apparently. And um, she basically thinks that these single-use vapes with flavours like ice candy, marshmallow and bubblegum are trying to get teenagers into vaping and then she sees that as a gateway to smoking. Right? Sure. So, yeah. and, and it's also part of an anti-smoking campaign overall, just they're not tackling smoking this time, right? Mm. It's already, the price of cigarettes there are already pretty pricey. Like after us, we're number one in Europe for the price of cigarettes, then the UK and then France, it's over a tenner a pack apparently. Right. So they've gone after smoking with taxes, um, in the past, they're not going to do it this year, but they're going after vapes instead. Okay. Uh, and it, 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 the single-use vapes will be banned, that's the hope at least, rather than, uh, um, you know, the kind of larger vapes. We yeah, fill so, up and so I think it's, it's, it's various different countries have various different measures. So I think it's the single-use vapes that they're targeting because they see these as being cheap and, you know, the, all these different flavours. Now, I know you can get the refills with all the different flavours and yeah. that kind of thing in them as well. Um, but yeah, they're getting getting rid of those. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with the with the other ones. Um, yeah. I know in other countries they've they've decided to go for a prescription model only. Um, mm. In in Australia, I think, and New Zealand, yeah. they're doing that, I, uh, I, and they're I, trying to get rid of the whole thing altogether. Yeah, I think there's also an environmental issue with the single use vapes to get thrown away, and you know, to oh, you recycle them, them is, the almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. is almost impossible. Uh, right, Georgia, uh, we're going to go to now the country now, not the uh, U.S. state. Uh, the president's in a bit of a pickle there. She is indeed. This is um, President Salom Zura Bishvili. Uh, she has been president since 2019 and um, the government of Georgia, or at least the, 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 yeah, but the current government, which is run by what's called the Georgian Dream Party. They've been knocking around. Yeah, it's a good name. <laughs> it? Isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's been knocking around since about 2012 and they've done very well for themselves. I think they've been in government, I'm going to take a guess, since 2016 and maybe have missed a year here or there. But anyway... Pretty powerful uh, bunch. And the ruling party there said that they're going to bring impeachment proceedings against the president. Now, this president, as I said, came to power in 2019 and she was supported by Georgian Dream. But since then, they've kind of parted company, shall we say. And one of the issues that they've had over the last few years is their attitudes towards the European Union, right? So Georgia are trying to get into the European Union. Last year, I think the European Union said yes to candidate status for Ukraine, Moldova, but pointedly said no to Georgia. And the Georgians aren't particularly happy with that. Mm -hmm. So when the president went last week to visit the uh, president of Germany and then the head of the European Council, Charles Michel, the former Belgian prime minister, uh, they weren't particularly happy about it, particularly when they they had specifically said to her, you're not to go there to talk to those people, all right? <laughs> okay. and, and she seemed to put a post up on Instagram which showed her holding up a phone with the instruction from the government but at the airport, right? So she was... You know, it's a largely ceremonial role. Yeah, the presidency there, but but it, about it, yeah, yes. she was pointed. I think she comes from the Michael D. sort of uh, school <laughs> of ceremonial presidencies. So um, they're not happy with her about that, and so they've now launched uh, impeachment proceedings against her. It's not going to work probably because they have a, a majority, but a very thin majority, and they need. It's it's the same in a lot of countries that two thirds. Um, uh, of the vote in Parliament to get get her mm. kicked out, but yeah. it's the symbolism of it really more than anything. And, and is she? Am, am I right in this? She's was born in France, or I think was, she was yeah. born in France? She's a French diplomat, but she's got Georgian background, and then she went back into Georgian politics later um, later in life and, okay. and, and was elected president. She ran as an independent, 
but George and Dream, who would have the biggest influence there, decided to to, to back her, and uh, she was grateful for that. But since then, they they have kind of parted ways. Yeah. So, and the only reason I bring that up, I assume she has a more benign view towards Europe and the European Union in in general than it seemed the Georgian establishment would have. Well, it's it's an interesting. It's a, it's a it's a great angle to come at it. Actually, uh, she says that she does. Um, the Georgian dream from their point of view, they've always said that they want to be part of the European Union. They've never, according to them anyway, tilted in a pro-Russian fashion. Although yes. There is some yeah. evidence that they may have cop- they might be copying some of the legislation that comes from Russia. But it has to be said that if you're to give their point of view, the European Union has been putting pressure on Georgian dream and, and Georgia in general to be more forthright uh, against Russia, right? So the Georgians aren't involved mm. in the sanctions against Russia, okay. right? And the European well, Union aren't happy about that. But the Georgians have their own reasons, one being they're right on the border and, and they fought a war. Neutral, yeah. yeah, they fought yeah. a war against them in 2008. It ended in five days and nobody came to help them. Yeah. Right? They yeah. effectively said, you're a problem. Deal yeah. with it. So that's the situation they're in. They're in a bind. They're supportive of Ukraine, but they're not supporting Ukraine, if that yes. makes sense. But the... But the refusal to give them candidate status, is that connected to that or is that more kind of the structure of their, a slightly, a slightly leaning towards authoritarianism? Yes, it's that. I think that's, yeah. I think that's what the European Union has said. And that, that is a nice cover, if we, yeah. if we were to be fair. Yeah. But I, I think it's more to do with this perceived neutrality uh, yes. albeit friendly neutrality like we used to have I suppose during yeah. the Second World okay. War well, towards yeah. Ukraine do you know yeah. what I mean so um, they would, the European Union would like them to do more uh, but Georgia are in a bit of a bind Okay Right South Korea we're going to go to uh, next where uh, teachers have been marching uh, after a, a colleague's suicide Yeah a very strange and very sad story um, Teachers have been out protesting against uh, the conditions that they work in. They're they're looking for uh, better protection, basically, uh, for themselves in their profession. They're they're getting accused of child abuse, and they're coming under pressure from parents uh, who apparently, in some cases, are calling them in the evenings and calling them at weekends and and stressing them out in general. And it came to a head in July when this 23-year-old elementary school teacher was found in a closet in her school and had apparently died by suicide. Oh my word. Um, so this sparked off uh, low-key protests at first, but then over the weekend, 200,000 teachers took to the streets of Seoul to protest. And then on Monday, another 15,000 when they were supposed to be in work and had been told basically that if you go out and strike, there might be um, mm. consequences. Uh, 15,000 of them still went out dressed in black and attended a rally looking for these better protections. Um, so it's it's caused something of a stir and it's become something of a national movement, something that the government is now responding to. Now, in classic political fashion, the current government, who are relatively new, blamed the situation that the teachers find themselves in on the previous government and said that the previous government was culpable for overemphasizing students' human rights over the teachers' rights. And and that has led to an increase in accusations of child abuse reports and the like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky situation that they find themselves in and they apparently have had enough. Yeah, and th- that poor unfortunate teacher wasn't the only person who has done this. No, there have been a few reports recently of more. And there was a figure that I saw in one report that since 
2018, 100 school teachers have died by suicide in South Korea. Now, you've got to look at that figure and just sort of say, OK, it's 100 school teachers that died by suicide. But is it is it as a consequence of yes, the profession? Indeed. They happen to we be. We don't yes. know for sure. Yes. And yes. given that South Korea has one of the highest rates of suicide in the world, you've got to think that, you know, there's other reasons behind this that as well. Be but that. we can't say for sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, China, we're going to go to uh, next, or, well, I suppose it's a story involving uh, China and uh, and India. And even though this dispute's been going on for some time, mm. one gets the sense that lately China seems to be involved in more and more territorial disputes with the countries around it. It, it does. You're, you're right, actually. Yeah, that is a good point. And, and this dispute has been going on for a while. So the, the, the headline here is that Xi Jinping isn't going to New Delhi this weekend. So the G20 summit is taking place and it's it's in India, in New Delhi, as I said. So the president's not going, but the Chinese uh, premier, Li Qiang, uh, I think he's pronounced, is going in his, in his stead. And the Indian media is interpreting this as a direct snub uh, to them, of mm. course. Um, and it comes off the back of the publication of a new map. You know, Chi- the Chinese love to issue their maps. I think we were talking about one maybe two months ago. Yes. And they've laid claim to territory that is recognised as being inside India. So this mm. has outraged the Indians. They've lodged a protest through diplomatic channels, but it's not the first time something like this has happened. They're well used to it. But, you know, the the Indians have to play to their gallery as well. Mm. So this is an ongoing dispute it's, it, it, that, that had, came to a head actually back in 2020, if you remember, um, when there were clashes uh, and 20 Indian troops died and four Chinese died yeah. as well. So it's got very serious over the years. And uh, it doesn't look like there's going to be any resolution to it anytime soon. Yeah. Is it a big area? Correct me if I'm wrong. I kind of have the sense it's a kind of snowy mountaintop area. It is a snowy mountaintop. It's actually quite quite bizarre if you see the stories because you you don't sort of put Indian soldiers in these snowy locations. You know what I mean? It's very odd in in, in that respect. But I don't know if it's particularly big or is, is there oil in them there hills, yeah, as, you, yes. as you often ask? Um, but it has been a, a dispute that's been going on. And I suppose the problem from India's point of view is that they have disputes with Pakistan over territory as well. Mm. So if they're seen to give in to one, they might be seen have to be seen to give in to the other. And yeah. that's, you know, that's part of the problem yeah. for them. But, but a, G, a G20 summit is a big deal. A G Very would, big norm- deal. would normally turn he, he ha- I don't think he's ever missed one uh, yeah. since he's been since he's been uh, president. Okay, so uh, and there, China isn't saying this is the actual reason or are they giving any reason? No, they're not. No, they're not giving any reason. They're they're sending a representative, so yeah. it's fine. Yeah, they don't have to. Uh, right, so what should we look out for over the next week or so? Yeah, tomorrow, would you believe, it'll be a year since Boris Johnson stepped down <sighs> and Liz Truss began her reign as Prime Minister. And incidentally, we'll be marking the first anniversary of her resignation in 49 days. <laughs> so uh, that'll, be, that'll be interesting enough. That was, a, that was a funny comedy show. Anyway, um, the G20 summit, as I mentioned, is taking place on the 9th of the 10th. And then September the 9th, there's presidential elections in the Maldives. OK, good stuff. Jonathan, thanks, thanks a million as ever. Jonathan DeBurker, Butler there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm. With Anna Glaze. On News Talk.